Today, we're starting a brand new series. I wonder if you know what the name of the series is. Yeah, it's toxic, right. Um, now, what we want to do is we want to thank uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel for writing the book, Soul Detox. This is the book. If you want, you can find out the entire series. We're going to be following uh, a lot of the principles in this book, although we don't necessarily follow uh, the, you know, it's a book. We don't follow every detail in the book. We're, we're going to the scriptures. That's our source. But the ideas that he had in this book were phenomenal. And uh, I recommend all of you to go ahead and buy the book um, from uh, Craig Rochelle, Soul Detox. You can get it on Amazon. Um, so the name of this series is called Toxic. And the reason that we're talking is because there are ways, there are influences, there are troubles in this world that will contaminate you, that will crush you, that will skewer your thinking, mess with your relationships, influence you in the wrong direction. It will absolutely destroy your life. And what we're saying is we don't want to be contaminated by this world in this sense. We don't want this world to tell us how we're going to live in Christ. Now, this world has its ideas about how to live in Christ or actually how to live in general. But what we're saying is we are not going to flow with that. We're going to submit to Christ. So in this series, it's going to be a five-week series. I want you to show up to every week, not because we don't have enough people. Let me tell you, if you don't know this and you're new, we have two services. We have this service and we have another service after because we do not have enough room for the people that show up. Do we need more people who listen? No, we have people in Europe, California. We have people around the world who listen to our podcast. Why am I asking you to show up? Because we need more people? That's not it. I'm asking you to show up because the very messages that we're going to be delivering within the next few weeks are going to be life transformative. And I'm telling you, Satan is going to make you want to wash your clothes on Sunday morning. I just, for the life of me, I don't get that. Do it on Friday night. You go, no, but I have to go out with my friends. No, 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 you see, that's my point. Your priorities, they're a little skewered. If there's anything that's going to miss out, let it not be the time that you connect with Jesus and you find out from his word about what he wants for your life. Is that okay? Okay, so I want you to show up. I mean, we're going to be talking about, you see it on the, on the bulletins. You see everything we're going to hit. We're going to hit toxic relationships. Oh boy, do I want, you do not want to miss toxic relationships. Um, some of you could speak on toxic, right? You are, you're, 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 really, really informed about that. Okay, uh, we're going to talk about toxic influences, toxic thoughts, toxic words, and toxic religion, because we didn't want to leave that one out. So today, we're going to start with the very first, the very first uh, issue that we're going to address, and it's toxic thoughts. You do not need to be a Christian to know that thoughts influence the way you act. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an action and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap 
a destiny. See, because everybody knows that it starts with a thought. There is not one thing that you regret that didn't start with a thought. There's not one thing that you're ashamed of that did not start with a thought. There's not one mistake that you wish you had not done that did not start with a thought. I am not exempt from this. I struggle with my thoughts. I'm not talking about last year or 14 years ago. I'm talking about this week. I struggle with my thoughts. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, carefully guard your thoughts. Why? Why, God? Why should we carefully guard our thoughts? Because they are the source of true life. Everything begins with a thought. Everything does. I, I struggle with thoughts so much that it can cloud the way I deal with people, address people, how I feel about myself, how I um, speak to my wife, how I respond to my children. It all starts with a thought. I had a, a, a sort of a brunch with a hero of mine. Now, God has opened some doors that I get to speak to some of my heroes, right? Guys who have written books and who pastor churches far larger than this one, that I am absolutely, um, that I am absolutely indebted to for their incredible graciousness. Well, God has made it so that I might be able to speak to some of these people. These guys are heroes to me, titans. And I met with him. And for the rest of the day, uh, I beat myself up. I said, you're so stupid. He thinks you're an idiot. You act like, so why'd you say that? What, what, what are you doing talking? You know, what, why don't you just listen more? You talk too much. And I just beat myself up mercilessly for all of that day. I had to be reminded, I had to, wait, 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 wait. Your identity is not in what he thinks about you. Your identity is what Christ has done for you. But I had to talk myself off the ledge. It was a terrible, terrible thought process. And it, and it started to, I felt a depression coming on. Um, it was terrible. You know, the next day, the very next day, this doesn't always happen, but the very next day, uh, Shelly, uh, who's uh, led worship. Didn't she do a great job leading worship today? Yeah, yeah, she did a great job. Shelly called me up and said that her friend who attends this person's uh, megachurch called her up. Uh, she called her up and said, you know, did your pastor meet with uh, my pastor? And she was like, yeah, yeah, they did, they did uh, for brunch. He talked about him during the service, said he was amazing and all this other stuff. But you know what? My thought, you couldn't convince me of that. My thoughts had me as a fool and an idiot. I wonder if I'm the only one who's like that. I wonder if I'm the only one who's done that before. What do you think about? Wonder if I'm the only one with fears and insecurities and anxieties. Wonder if I'm the only one who thinks they're getting it or doing it right or people will like them. See, what I've discovered in, in this church and in other churches, I've, I've discovered 
that our thoughts have a way of really, really blessing us or really, really harming us. And they don't start like when we become 30 or when we become 20 or when we become 50. They start um, with the thoughts that were instilled in our minds. Some of us, our parents have died and the thoughts that they've instilled in our mind are the rehearsals that we run in our heads. Listen, listen, listen. God wants to speak to us about our thoughts. God wants to address us on our thoughts. In fact, today's big idea, if you're going to write anything down, this is today's big idea. Here's what all of this message is going to. It's the thought that counts. That is what we're trying to learn. It's the thought that counts. It's where your thoughts start and eventually where they take you. So we're going to ask God to cleanse our thoughts, to retrain our thoughts, and we're going to look at a passage that's not about thoughts. We're going to look at a passage that's about enemies trying to... uh, about enemies trying to slander a man by the name of Paul. But in this passage, we'll see that the way they try to slander Paul is the exact same way your enemy, Satan, will try to destroy you. And so I want you to put your thinking cap on. We're going to really focus, and we're going to ask God to help us. I think this is going to be an unbelievably practical and helpful series. You're in it with me? All right, let's stand to read God's word. It's our tradition to do so. And so we're going to get right into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you have your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Here's the deal. Paul has enemies. Who is Paul? Paul is an apostle. An apostle is a sent one by Jesus. He's a sent one. If you think of missionary, you have an idea of who Paul is. Paul is a missionary to the nations. He wants to plant churches, which, by the way, is what we're about in this church. Maybe God will plant the church with you. Yeah, you. God will. We've, we're starting a church in uh, the Bronx. In fact, pray for me. This week, I'm going to be speaking at a church that we're planting in. You ready? California. How crazy is that? Right? We got one in Staten Island. You go, oh man, it's too hard to get here, man. I live in Staten Island. What, we got one for you in Staten Island. You go, yeah, but I live in New Jersey. Oh my goodness. We got one for you in New Jersey. We have a recovery house of worship in the Bronx, New Jersey, Staten Island. One is coming near to a town uh, uh, that you live in, but we need people to stand And people to say, I will be like Paul. I will be a sent one. Okay, so Paul, who's a sent one, he is planting churches. He's he's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ that says that Jesus will be your shame taker. Jesus will be your sin forgiver. Jesus will take all of your grimy and dirty and nasty. And Jesus will give you his righteousness and goodness and holiness. Nice trade. What do you say, right? Not so bad. So Paul is planting churches, teaching people about God's word. And then the haters rise up. The haters rise up and the haters say, Paul, he can't really speak. He's not that eloquent. 
He's in, they even, they even, man, they even mess, uh, they even start talking about how the way he looks. And says he's like, you know, he doesn't, he, they even say negative things about the way he looks. Apparently, Paul wasn't a very attractive person at all. And they malign his teaching. And Paul, because he loves this little church, he loves this little church. He's going he's to start speaking strongly to them. He's going to start telling them the truth. It's powerful. It's wonderful. Are you ready? We're going to read this together. Are you ready to read it together? All right, let's, oh, come on. You can do better than that. Are you ready to read it together? Yeah. All right, let's do it. For 2 Corinthians ch- chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, on the count of three. One, two, three. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Amen. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. This is God's word. And God's people said, have a seat. So Paul is coming against these haters, these naysayers, these people. And he first, and so let's look at the text. It's going to be powerful. I think it's going to be real application to our thinking. By the humility and gentleness of Christ. Look up at me. Listen to me. It all starts with Christ. You will build your life on something. The foundation of your life will be on something. Don't let it be your culture. And don't let it be the way you were raised. Don't let it be your education, your identity. Don't let it be what you think or what anybody else thinks. Let it be built on who Christ is. It's in Christ that we get the fuel to do everything that we're asked by God to do. By the humility and the gentleness, not that I'm forcing myself, not that I'm giving my, by the humility and gentleness of Christ. Christ was humble for me and he'll be humble through me because he lives in me in the power of the Holy Spirit. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Paul is talking to these people. He says, I appeal to you. And then Paul gets sarcastic. This is pretty cool, all right? It's okay to be sarcastic um, if, you, uh, if you're being holy about it. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, all right, so he goes, I, Paul, who am timid when face-to-face with you, but bold toward you went away. Stop, look at me. See, what happened is, is, this, is this is a quote from the haters. He's quoting the haters. He goes, oh, his His letters are weighty and mighty, but when he gets face to face with you, 
he's as timid as a kitten. And Paul, he goes like this, listen, in the humility that Christ gives, I beseech you. Oh, yeah, me, who am all sorts of scared when I'm close to you and like real bold when I write to you. He goes, listen to me. He goes, it's, it's a mockery. It's silly. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of the world. Paul is getting serious. Paul is saying, y'all think, y'all, y'all messing around with words. I'm talking about power that comes from on high. Y'all are messing around with trinkets and, and, and you know, like little, little, uh, uh, little trinkets that you think will help you and little lucky, lucky rabbit's foots. I'm coming with the power of Jesus. And boy, it's, it's about to be a throwdown. Paul is about to open up a can on some people. And it's, it's serious. It's serious. Verse 3. For though we live in the world, this is an incredibly applicable statement all of us need to sort of absorb. And though we, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Let's say that together. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now look up at me, quick little caveat. Do me a favor. Would you, would you just be reminded that you're in Christ? And if someone insults you on your job, you don't you don't wage war as the world does. If someone, if, you, if your spouse is not treating you the way they ought, you don't wage war as the world does. If your kids are not behaving in a particular, you don't wage war as the world does. We don't react in the way that the world does. You know why? Because we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world, which, might, by the way, might be an incredibly important thing to remind yourself as we're talking on thoughts. You go, oh, but they don't know who, you, who I am. I beg to differ. They know exactly who you are. It's you who do not know who you are because you are a child of the Most High. You are born again. You have the Spirit of God living in you. And so perhaps you need that class on finding out who you are. You're not who you think you are. For we do not wage war. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. I love this. Remember, Paul is talking to his detractors. He's talking to them. He goes, you guys are coming against me with slick speech and lucky rabbit's foots and all the things that you want to come, you know, uh, uh, all, all sorts of, shenanigans, and I'm telling you, that's not the way I throw down. The weapons we fight are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, remember, Paul is talking about the enemies that he has, but if we can just apply this to the enemy that you have. You have an enemy. His name is Satan, and what he's done is he's created strongholds. Someone say strongholds. He's created strongholds in your mind that help you to repeat patterns. True story, I, uh, it was 2000, the year was 2000. This is 15 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday because it was such a dramatic moment for me. 
It was uh, the first day of the new year. I was writing in my journal. And as I was writing in my journal, I was, now I don't do this so much anymore, but back then I was super paranoid that somebody would find my journal. So I had like seven journals. And I wrote in one day, and then I wrote in another day, so nobody could find the train of thought. You know what I mean? So nobody, it was nuts, right? Yeah, I know. I know, I'm crazy, but yeah, you crazy too. So, all right, um, I'm just confessing, right? Confession is good for the soul. It's not so good for the reputation, though. You know that, right? So, so I'm writing in, it's 2000, right? And I'm writing, man, I hate my life. Nobody loves me. This is, I, I'm just better off dead. This is, it's the year 2000. I thought I'd be further along than this. I'm just a loser. And, and I'm writing this down, right? And I'm there, and like tears start welling up in my eyes. Because, like, I really hate myself. Like, I really hate myself. And I go, and I don't know what I did. I just swept the page. I know what happened. Jesus wanted to show me a stronghold that Satan had. And I swept the pages about half the book. And I landed five years, because I date my, um, I landed five years. And then I went to write something down. And I looked on the paper, noticed it was five years, but my eyes started to run down the page. I'm telling you, listen to me. If you'd have had a light table and you put one paper, the one that I had just written five minutes ago, and the other paper on top of it, I think it had 15 word difference. It was an entire page. It must have been hundreds of words. Might have been maybe, I mean, whole phrases, whole paragraphs were exactly identical. There was a rhythm, there was a, uh, a speech, there was a sermon, there was a kind of thought that I kept on. You know what the, the Bible calls it? A strong hold. And you've got it too. You've got it. You don't know what it is, but you've got it. And it's the same thing that you rehearse to yourself every time you don't get the date. Every time you miss up in the marriage, every time you screw up in life or the job doesn't go well or you get disappointed, there is a stronghold. Paul is talking about how his enemies, he'll come against his enemies' stronghold. Well, we have to, as Christ followers, come against our enemies' strongholds, thoughts and ideas, rehearsals and scripts that he's placed in your mind and mine. And he says, no, don't, don't, don't go down there. They're strongholds. And we demolish those strongholds. They have divine power. That is, the weapons that we fight with have divine power to demolish those strongholds. Listen to me. That means that it's not, you know how the world demolishes those kinds of strongholds that I just talked to you about? The world says something like this, and you don't hear this much anymore, but I heard it a lot at one time. Look in the mirror and say to yourself, I'm beautiful. I'm intelligent. I'm gifted. I'm strong. And you tell that, tell that to yourself all the time. Here's the thing. I can't convince myself I'm beautiful. I don't feel it. I don't think that. I can tell myself that 
I feel like I'm lying. I'm not trying to build up self-esteem. I'm trying to find my esteem in Christ. My beauty does not come from the my beauty does not come from what I see in the mirror. My beauty comes from what has been bestowed upon me by Christ. Yours too, if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, then get your beauty wherever you can. But I'm telling you, man, it's a rough road. Because time happens, isn't it true? I, you could be a supermodel today. And I don't know any of the names of the supermodels. Somebody name a name of a supermodel. Shelly. Right, yeah, there. That is, okay. That's a really smart husband. He said the name of his wife. That's a really smart husband. Man, I am writing that one down, boy. Second service, I'm going to make that one my statement. That was great. So you name, so you name whatever supermodel you know and that person will eventually grow old enough I don't there's not enough Botox in the world there's not enough uh, uh, um, what was it called yeah collagen there's not enough there's not enough facelifts in the world listen to me listen to me eventually you will not be able to convince yourself of your beauty you simply won't but the weapons that we fight with are not of this world. See, my beauty is found in Christ. I'm beautiful because Christ finds me beauty. You know, beauty really is in the eye of the beholder. And so because Christ has beholded me as beautiful, and Christ thinks I'm lovely, I can walk with my head. Hey, you might not think I'm beautiful, but Christ thinks I'm beautiful, right? If, ladies, if you had like... Um, Idris Alba or Denzel Washington or, or Brad Pitt as your husband telling you you're beautiful every day. Who cares if the bum on the street says, you ugly, right? <laughs> Who cares? You got Idris Alba telling you you're fine, right? We have one who's better than Denzel Washington, one who's better than Brad Pitt. And his beauty is, listen, his, the beauty that he says that he finds in us is not found inherently in who we are. It's found in us because he's given it to us. He's given it to us. We don't fight. We don't fight with the strong. And we certainly don't lay down our arms and say, yeah, you know, that's right. You are a piece of garbage. You are ugly. You are worthless and all that. Stuff. Stop that. Jesus has created you with a purpose. We don't fight with the weapons of this world. We fight with divine power given to us by Christ. If you don't know Christ, come to him. Confess that you, in fact, are a sinner and have fallen short of his perfection. Beg him for his mercy and tell him that you will live for him and not for you. We don't fight, not us, not Christ's followers. Verse Five, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We come against them. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
that what Paul is telling his people is when you hear these guys throw these slanderous thoughts, when you hear these guys malign my character, I want you to take them and I want you to put them under subjection to Christ. And in the same way, when you hear your enemy, Satan, throw these slanderous thoughts to you, going, oh, you're fat when you're 95 pounds, or oh, you're ugly when, you know, when Christ has made you beautiful. Listen, when you hear that sort of stuff, I want you to take hold of it and say, you come here. You come under the authority of Christ and you subject yourself to God's word. You don't subject yourself to your feelings. Don't, no, you don't go. Here's what we do. We go, come here. You subject yourself to how I feel right now. Or we say, come here, and will you subject yourself to what people have told me throughout my life? And you come here, and you subject yourself to what I think about myself. Nonsense! You subject yourself to the authority of Christ and the power of his word, and you say, no, 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 this is not what God's word says to me. This is not what God's word says about me. And we will be ready to punish, I love this, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. In other words, Paul is throwing down. He says, I'm going to come, and I'm going to see those rabble-rousers, and oh, man, you know, it's like it's going to be all about, all about subjecting ourselves to Christ. And you can, listen, you can bend your knees or I'll break your legs, but you're going down. You're going down. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's the same way we have to be with our thoughts right now. Right now. You guys, many of us, have walked into this room. And by the way, thank you for bringing the church into this room. You've come into this thought that are not of Christ. They do not belong to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Everything that I just told you, you don't do. You're going to leave here, and you know what you're going to do? The first mistake you made, you're going to go, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I didn't do it. You're going to do the same things. Why? Because they're strongholds. You don't do it. So you go, what? Is there any hope for us? For you? No, there's no hope. (laughs) But in Christ, there is an eternity of hope. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, right now, if you say to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to think better thoughts. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try harder. You know what? You won't get out of Monday. You won't get out of today. In fact, you might not get out of this service without your thoughts going astray. You won't. You won't because they're too locked in. You don't have the power. They're, they're overpowering you. They go, here's what your thoughts will say. They'll say, you know what? You were born this way. This is the way you are. This is how you are. You were born this way. Your thoughts will say, you know what? You've always, you've never been nothing. You'll never be nothing. Your mother was right. Your papa was right. Your thoughts, your thoughts will say all sorts of slanderous things. And you know what you and I will do? We will submit to them because that's all we have the power to do. Submit to our thoughts. I'm not asking you to try harder. I'm not asking you to do better. I'm asking you to run to Jesus. I'm asking you to cry out to Jesus and ask him for the strength that you do not possess. So we're going to do this. We're going to right now, we're going to take a thought test. Okay? All right, so here's our thought test. 
right? And here's the scripture that we're going we're gonna to try to apply what Paul just taught us about his enemies. We're going to apply it to our enemies. And here's what Philippians 4, 8, uh, 7 and 8 say. Um, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, class. What takes the, what, what will, what gives the peace of God? Anybody? Jesus. It's Jesus. Okay, just so you know, any question that I ask, the answer is always Jesus, okay? It's an easy test, okay? Okay. Who gives you peace in your thoughts? Anybody know? Jesus. Jesus. And the peace of God, which goes beyond. That's what transcends means. It goes beyond all understanding. You go, I don't know why I feel so peaceful. Jesus will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because it's Jesus who does it. You go, I don't know, how how does he do that? We're going to get there. But I'm going to show you something. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, we say to ourselves, but I can't. You just said we can't do that. I know, but you forgot the first verse that we just read. It's in Christ. Christ does this in us. So we say, we go to Christ, and we say, Jesus, here's the truth about me. I really do think I'm ugly. And I believe my feelings more than your word. Would you give me your peace that I don't understand about being ugly? Would you give me your peace that I don't get about being overweight or not having the body that I had when I was 20 or not having the money that I thought I should have at this stage of life or not being at the place of life? Whatever it is, Jesus, that's the truth about me. Why are you going to lie to Jesus? Makes no sense. So we're going to have this thought test. Okay, so here's our thought test, right? So you see it there? And you can just write these uh, uh, things down. Now, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention things like shame, bitterness, revenge, depression. I'm going to mention things like that. And what you're going to do is if you struggle with it, what I want you to do is in a, I want you to stand in a loud voice, and I want you to read the scripture. And what we're going to do, and by the way, if you've got a pen, Write the scripture down. Reason is, is because if that's the thing that Satan uses to come against you, I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some tools in Christ Jesus that are going to help you. That you're going to just go, you know what? That's the truth. Oh, but you know what you did yesterday? You know how you, and when Satan does that to you, you know how he reminds you of your past? By the way, when Satan reminds you of your, of your past, do me a favor, remind him of his future. All right? Let him know. Let him know. That the way this ends is that you get a brand new body and he gets into the deepest, darkest parts of hell. So what I want you to do is I want you to just go, okay, Satan, it's true and it's worse than you're saying. Because I had thoughts and ideas that you don't even know about. But I am washed in the blood of Christ. I am the child of the Most High God. I am not the sum of my addiction. I am not the sum of my opinion. I am not the sum of what others' opinions are about me. I am who Christ says I am. So, the test. You ready for the test? If you struggle with this, I want you to stand and read the verse with me. First one is shame. Does anybody struggle with shame? Okay, stand. If you struggle with shame, just stay right there. Okay, great. Excellent. 
Now, in a nice loud voice, I want us to read uh, this together. 2 Corinthians 5.17, 1, 2, 3. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Stop. Look right here. Now watch this. You're struggling with it. No, no, no. Stay standing. Now here's what happens, folks. What happens is, is that Satan comes up to you and says, oh, you see what you did? You remember what you did last week or last summer or last night or when you were a kid or whatever or your lifestyle or whatever it is. And you go, wait, you know what? You're always going to be there. You're nothing. You're just a piece of, and he starts to mess with you about what the things that you've done. But whoa, 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 whoa. Brand new leather smell on this one. I am new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and now here's the deal. This is a conditional deal. If you're not in Christ, oh no, you're still old. What are you waiting for? Get in Christ. How do you do that? I just told you before. Admit to Jesus that you are a sinner. Oh, I've messed up in the past. Uh, believe him for his forgiveness. Ask that he would uh, uh, forgive you and show you mercy and ask him to live in you and commit to walking in him. Man, I'm telling you, it's a life changer. If anyone is in Christ, oh wait, I'm in Christ. Or you can go, I'm not in Christ. This is why I'm walking around full of shame because I'm not walking in the obedience of who I am. I'm not walking in Christ. Uh, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? I believe that you're going to um, lead and guide me and believe that you died for my sins. I'm going to commit my life to you. So this is your scripture. So when Satan comes this week, you're not going to argue with Satan. You're not going to fight like the world does. You're going to go back to the scripture, get a three by five card, put it in your shirt pocket. Say, wait, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Fair? All right, you passed the test. Go, sit down. All right, next is bitterness. People have harmed you in the past, and it's very, very hard. Yeah, might as well stay standing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, 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 bitterness. Okay, yeah, all right, so bitterness. Right, and some of us will stand for all four of these, guys. Some of us will stand. There ain't no shame. Listen, Satan has more than one enemy, that one more than one, more than one enemy, more than one lie, more than one attack towards you. So don't be ashamed. In, in fact, if you feel ashamed about standing up to the first, go to the first scripture, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So stand for all four if you need to. Okay, bitterness. Okay, so someone has harmed you. Someone has done something to you. You can't forgive them. Maybe it was a molestation as a child. Maybe it was a spouse who wasn't faithful. Maybe, I don't know what it was, but it was something. And so you say, oh man, I'm bitter. I haven't, I just, oh, I can't forgive them. They're just so horrible. Blah, blah, blah. Ephesians chapter 4. At 31 and 32 says this, get rid of all bitterness. Let's read it all together. One, two, three. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Pause. Pause. If that was all that the verse said, you should be very depressed. Because all it told you to do is something you can't do. But listen to what it says. Verse 32. One, two, three. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Whoa, 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 whoa. So here's what happens. So you, okay, I'm, I'm going to put it on me, right? Um, I, I've told you this before, right? When uh, got invited into a room, older guy, closed the door, I was a little kid, awful things happened, disgusting, terrible, awful, soul-cracking, soul-shattering things happened 
in that room. You understand what I'm saying. I don't have to, um, well, I remember I was walking across the street on the corner of my house, and there was a stop sign right there on Java and Manhattan Avenue. This is years ago. I hadn't thought about this guy. And he pulled up, and he made a face at me, and then he drove away. Like, you know, stop. I walk up to it. I go, oh my God, it's the, it's the guy. And anger and hate and rage started to fill my belly. Well, listen, maybe you have something like that. Maybe something, listen, listen, listen. Wait, 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 wait. I experienced something like that. I pause. In that moment, I go, wait up. And kind and compassion to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not forgiving you because you're asking me forgiveness. I'm not forgiving you because you deserve forgiveness. I'm not forgiving you because even I'm kind enough to forgive you. I'm forgiving you because I'm forgiven. And then I think about all the things that Christ has forgiven me for. Now, let me tell you something. What that guy did was horrible to me. Everybody agree? No excuses, right? What that guy did was horrible. Deserves to go to jail for the rest of his life. Listen to me. What he did, he did to another sinner. What I did, I did to a sinless God who did nothing but love me. All of my sin, my lying, my cheating, my stealing, my coveting other things, my telling God, you don't satisfy me, so I'm going to go to liquor, or I'm going to go to something, or I'm going to go to the other thing. All of doing that my entire life, I've done to God. Wait, how? Have you forgiven me for that? Yes. And then I sit in that. And I allow that to overflow until, listen, I think about that till my hairs stand up. I think about that till my tears come down. And then, not because even I want to or I have to, but it overflows, forgiveness overflows out of me. Do you get it? All right, so there's your bitterness test. You can all sit down now. The next one we're going to be doing is revenge. Anybody have revenge? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So revenge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you want it, you can't stop but thinking about how you're going to get back to that person who harmed you. You can't stop thinking about how to, how to hurt them. Or you, you, you play conversations in your mind and arguments in your mind, and right, when you do arguments in your mind, you're winning, right? Yeah, right. When I have a fight in my mind, I'm like John Jones, man. I'm like, I'm like a ninja, man. I'm like, when I, but, but that's rehearses in your mind how you're going to harm them. Okay, so let's look at Romans 12, 19 on the count of three. One, two, three. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now look at me. This is a big deal. So what happens? We're back to the gospel. So I'm going, oh, I'm going to get them back. Boy, they deserve what for. And you know, you know, you do that, right? That whole thing. And so you go, wait, 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 wait. They're going to get, they're going to get theirs. Oh, you're going to get yours. You know how like when you were kids, especially if you grew up in the PJs, everybody said, oh, you're going to get yours. Nobody really got anybody back, right? It was one of those things that you said because you didn't know what else to say when you got beat, right? And so you go, oh, you're going to get yours. No, here's the deal. They're going to get theirs. Now, I promise you they're going to get theirs in either one of two ways. Are you ready? One is they're going to come to Christ 
And Christ would have paid on the cross the torture that they deserve, just like he did for you. Or they're going to have an eternity to think about what they did to you. It's an eternity. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible has no way to describe the kind of punishment that they get. The only thing that the Bible can come close to is that they're being burned alive. This is not a fun place. You know how like, people go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to hell because all my friends are there. Really? Yeah, nobody wants to be there. Nobody who's there wants to be there. It's awful. So you don't have to. Wait, wait, wait. I don't. Yo, yo, yo. I don't have to get you. I don't have to get back at you. God will handle my business. And I can trust you. Wait, wait, wait. Can I tr- I can tr- because I can trust you with my salvation in Christ, I can trust you with their future. Hands off. You're, you're, listen, I'm free. I don't have to. You, 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 did, you got me once. You don't get me anymore. God, God will take care of them. God will take care of them. And believe me, God can handle them better than you. All right? So if that's your deal, that's your scripture, that's, sit down. Okay, next one. Depression. Depression. What if you struggle with depression? This is something I struggle with. Oh my goodness, I could write a book. I should write a book about this. Okay. Okay, listen to me. Many times, and I know that we're in a society that wants to um, make everything biological, Right? That the reason that you're depressed is because you have some chemical reactions that happen in your brain and that's why you get depressed and blah, blah, blah. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I'm telling you, your thoughts, your thoughts have an enormous amount to do with whether you're depressed or you're elated. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, one, two, three, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Stop right there. Listen, that's Jesus. You know why you're weary and burdened? Jesus is going, come to me. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Yeah, but I don't know how we're going to, you know, take care of the kids, take care of the bills, or I feel like such a loser, or I feel like, no, 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 come to me, come to me, come to me. I'll take care of you. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let me tell you something. This is true. I just experienced this this week. As a matter of fact, I even feel like I'm preaching with more energy now because I found a moment where it's just, I just, I'm resting in Christ. I'm not, I'm not going to go to sleep for 15 hours like my depression wants me to. I'm not going to, no, no, no. I'm going to rest in Christ. Remind me, oh God, of whatever it is that I'm concerned about, worried about. Remind me about what you think about that thing as the musicians come up. For my yoke is easy. Verse 30, everybody. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's awesome. You go, you go, but God, I, I do this, I love this. I was driving with my daughter, and it's wonderful when your daughter starts to preach back to you stuff that you have told her. I was like, where'd you get that from? I was like, oh, I think I told you that. All right, so it was great. So I was like, I was, um, I was getting depressed because this is what I do. I, I have these thoughts that I just beat myself up over. And I was like, oh, the Easter sermon, oh, I can't believe, and I should have been more clear, and why didn't? And she goes, 
why do you think, you know, and I was talking to my daughter, she's like, well, you know, so what makes you, you know, so I was like, oh, man, I got to get better because, you know, as a church, we got to get better. I'm always thinking about you guys. I'm always thinking about making uh, this, and she goes, and so we're, we're having this conversation because we were driving up for a few hours, and um, she goes, why do you think that the responsibility for this church is yours? It's brilliant. What was she saying? She was saying, take his yoke upon you. Because I'll go, oh, it's all my responsibility. I got to do it. I better make it happen. I better, you know. And Jesus is going, dude, who's doing that to you? Tell me who they are. I'll beat them up. Like, it's crazy. Whatever the thing is that you get depressed, go, no, wait, wait. That is not my, my children. I'm depressed about my children. I'm depressed about my weight. I'm depressed about my life. I'm depressed about the stage of life I'm in. I'm depressed about not being married. I'm depressed about being single. I'm depressed about being married. I'm depressed about being, um, you know, having kids or not having kids. Okay, so whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. Come to me, Jesus says. Would you go to him? Because he's waiting for you. He doesn't deny you. He doesn't say, you know what? You come to me with this 50 times. I'm tired of this. He'll never, not one time, no, never, not ever, will ever say that to you. Never. His love is never stopping, always present, constant, and forever, and never will give up on you. His love is like that. Let me tell you something. His love is ruthless. It stops at nothing. You do not have to sit in your depression. But remember what we said? We said, gee whiz, I can't do this on my own. That's why every single scripture that I've shown you is not about you. It's about Jesus. In him. Tell him you don't even know how to do that. Be honest. Start where you are. And let him change you. He goes, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, but these, but these finances, don't worry, I'm with you. And even if we're together in a homeless shelter, I'll still be with you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, whether you're full of shame or bitterness or revenge or depressed, Jesus, Jesus is with you. If you don't know Jesus, you can receive Jesus now, but I'm telling you, he loves you. So you know what we've been talking about? We've been talking about, because remember, listen to me. It's the thought that counts. Is your thought about you? You won't do well. Is your thought about Christ? You'll do well. You can't do it alone. Jesus can only do it in you. So ask him, ask him, beg him. Take these scriptures, ask him to tattoo them to your soul. I want us to, we're going to have a time of communion where we remember that Jesus died. So I want you to sit now where you remember that Jesus died for your sins. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him, you can come to him now.
The rock.